Welcome back in to the Deep Fade. My name is Zach, as always, joined by Raven. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing good. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to everyone everywhere. How was your New Year's? Very chill. I had to work uh, yesterday at 7 a.m., so I did not do any partying. Poor baby. And then uh, it's been a couple weeks, so how was your Christmas? How's everything going? It was good. Went home to see family down south and got to experience a little bit warmer weather than what we're experiencing here in Chicago. It was fine on Christmas. Yeah, it was fine until I got back, apparently. Yeah, that's because you brought the frigidness with you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well then to that effect, yeah, it's been a couple weeks, so we're going to run through this week's games, just get ourselves caught up, do some confidence meter on, uh, NFL contenders, just get a read on how we feel about the best teams in the league going to the playoffs, especially as some have some key injuries in the case of the Dolphins or are just hitting their stride at the right time. And then to the opposite and teams that aren't the lions. Did you see the, you saw the end of this game, right? The lions game, the lions Cowboys. Yeah, I did watch this game. Yes. So I think that while the, the qualms with, with the ref mismanagement at the end of the game, I think that's kind of taking some of the heat off of, off of Campbell and McCarthy Mm -hmm. for just being really dumb down the stretch. And then Campbell, Insisting on still going for going it. for it over and over again. That's where you know I was watching this game with Oliver, and because he's a Lions fan, it's always fun to watch him be emotional about this. But yeah, after the they being got the two point, pain. yeah, and, and him being in physical pain. But after they got the two point conversion the first time, and then there was the flag that drew it back. And, you know, obviously everyone on Twitter was throwing a fit. I saw plenty of videos of the lineman going up to the ref to obviously state that he's going to be in in the play. But I don't know why else you would go up to a ref if you're a lineman to really do anything else besides maybe check if you're offside. That that play was mismanaged. It very much was. I'm just saying that if you're looking at the totality of the fourth quarter and the decisions made there, I feel like... They should have just kicked it after that. They should have, for their own good, and also because you're coaching against Mike McCarthy going into overtime, that you should be a little bit more confident in yourself. Mm -hmm. Plus, Dallas's defense has been on the downswings for weeks now in an overtime situation. I know the Lions defense is bad too, and Dallas has a great kicker, which changes the calculus because Mm -hmm. they're probably going to get points if they can get one pass completed. And with everyone tired at the end of the game, that's infinitely more possible. But they kind of blew it. Like the Lions coming into this game could have stayed in in stride with the 49ers for the number one seed, and now – we're looking at a situation where there's a there's a big tie in the middle of the NFC playoff picture. And like I'll get it to it now. If we're going one to ten, I don't feel great about either of these teams. And I think this game kind of shows why. Both coaches, I mean, McCarthy not properly burning clock towards the end of the game, and then Campbell's insistence on going for it. And I understand that it plays into 
the personality of this team to want to put your your nuts on the line and to win the game then and there. But after every after those penalties, like you're actively hurting your chance to win. And so as much as I like Campbell and I think that he contributes to the entire to a lot of the good feelings about the Lions overall because people appreciate their leader all the same. It it's led us into a situation where they might not get the two seed either when they really had a chance to lock it down this game. I think the 49ers were always going to end up with one seed, but they've really hamstrung themselves. So that because being... because of their defenses and because of their coaching, I'm like a two out of five on the Lions. They seem like a a prime upset candidate to if, if the season ended today, it would be the Rams playing them and just McVay versus Campbell and with how far along the Rams have come and then it's Stafford back in Detroit, like they should be worried. Yeah. I don't know. I think I would say I'm probably a three out of five with the Lions just because, you know, Dan Campbell is a really fun coach. They did a fake punt at some point in the game, and I don't believe it was successful. But, you know, there's not many other teams doing plays that they really do. And their their running attack is unique because of Montgomery and Gibbs are just the perfect fire and ice, thunder, lightning pairing. Mm -hmm. And both have been very efficient as well. Like, I, I don't think that they are just faux contenders, Fabergé eggs. I but what will always come back to bite you, and this is why I'm I'm probably at the same level in the Cowboys, is coaching and defense. And for both of these teams, they started really strong. The Cowboys obviously still have a better defense and a game wrecking player in Parsons, but they are still they have shown themselves to be a lot more sensitive to to giving up bad plays in bad moments than they were earlier in the season. Uh, moving to the AFC, Dolphins lost the Ravens by four, 37? Yeah. Doing quick math. Um, especially after last week with the Ravens also comfortably beating the 49ers. Like, if you're doing your power rankings, your power pulls, whatever, the Ravens are number one. But ultimately, do you think that the Ravens are the best team in the NFL. I mean, I said it, what, four weeks ago, I think in week 13 or 14, where like the Ravens had the quietest 11-3 and season I've ever seen because they're just not being talked about. I do think the Ravens are doing a really good job of not having Lamar have to do everything. They have some weapons that are doing some big plays for them when they really need it. Their defense is looking... Okay. They're kind of like the best version of the Chiefs in my mind, where yeah. like you everything's ha- you working have your, in unison. You have your star rookie receiver. Um, and then for the Chiefs, it's kind of the same thing, but worse. You I mean they Chiefs actually have their tight end. Ravens lost theirs, but likely is um he's fine. <laughs> yeah. He's more than enough. He is still probably a top eight guy, at least receiving wise. I I mean, I know that Andrews, Kelsey, the the best receiving tight ends in the league, except for like maybe Goddard, are not known for their blocking ability. I think that 
this game and the fact that the Dolphins just lost more players, they lost uh, Bradley Chubb towards the end of the game with, with what looked like a, a bad knee injury. These teams went in starkly opposite directions after this game, and looking at the playoff picture, um, the Ravens have locked up the number one seed. If you look at their game next week against the Steelers, I think the Steelers are favored by four just because we now know that the Ravens are going to be able to rest everyone. Mm-hmm. Which for a team like the Ravens that, a lot like the 49ers in years past, have been super subject to injuries, having a game where you do not have to risk any of your guys is huge. And they are like as close to a 5 out of 5 in terms of confidence. That, that you can you get can. to. Yeah. Coming up two big wins against two contenders and you've locked up the one seed early and therefore do not have to risk your stars in the same way that the Dolphins do, that the Chiefs do. The Their defense is amazing. I mean, going back a few weeks, there was a stat that the Ravens and the 49ers were both like top 12 all time in DVO, DVOA tracked over a full season. And... Whether or not you believe in momentum, playing well right before the playoffs at least is going to better the vibe in the locker room and um, give everyone else more confidence in you and foster a little bit of fear. I mean, right now they would go up against the Colts and like no district. I, I know that one of Baltimore's three losses is against Indianapolis, but they have they have really put themselves in a strong position to kind of waltz the AFC Championship game. But I I I think that we all still have a little bit of uh of consternation about putting our eggs into the Lamar basket considering that he hasn't done it yet, but we'll see. Um some of the less important, less vital games the uh, Patriots 21, Bills 27. Patriots, again, I think if you just put a halfway decent quarterback on this team, that they could have like eight wins. They could be closer to someone like the, the Bears and the Packers than just the dregs of the league with yeah. the, the commies in them. Because Belichick is probably going to go somewhere. I, I don't think that that is a 100% likelihood, but... It just seems that the whole situation has soured. Zappy isn't the future, and right now they are probably not in a position to get either of the QBs at the top of the draft. And I don't really know how you can be confident in the future of this team as still led by Belichick. I mean, yeah, the Belichick's just... like I just always go back to the clip. I think it is... Zappy, where he's he goes in the locker room, he's super hype talking to the guys, and then sees coach, and like his demeanor just changes. Yes, coach, good game, coach. Like, there's it might just not be the kind of person that this roster needs. Yeah, I think if you get someone like Purdy, who's just overall a decent quarterback, if you get him in a system like that, yeah, I think they'll have eight or nine wins, but just because. I mean, ever since Brady left, it it just hasn't worked. Like, that system just hasn't worked. Outside of the one year. Outside of the one year, yeah. But Belichick does, I think, need to start looking onward. 
I am a huge contender for him going to the Chargers and saving Herbert. So, like, if that situation comes, I think the the Chargers get good in the next five years. But the Patriots, just as they're going now, I don't think can be a contender. I don't think that is in the next three years of their even option. I think they should just go into, like, full rebuilding mode, but... They're going to draft Bailey Zappi, and he's going to be Brady Quinn. Or not – he's. they're going to draft uh, Bo Nix, and he's going to be Brady Quinn. Yeah. And it's going to be really funny. Uh, the Bills, they've pretty much locked up a spot. There's still a, a confluence of circumstances where they could miss the postseason, but right now their playoff odds are in the mid-90s. And if they beat the Dolphins next week, it's unique stakes for a wildcard team because if they lose, they're going to be the six or the seven seed or – very possibly missing things and it it would require weird wins and losses and then the Steelers might sneak in who technically aren't eliminated but if Buffalo wins they're in and if they win they're the number two seed in the AFC and when going through like playing in Buffalo for is a distinct home field advantage for that for those guys and uh, going everywhere except Baltimore and honestly, like if you think about it just geographically, if you have to pick one away game, Baltimore is is a solid choice for, for Buffalo at least. Just for them being used to the cold, because I remember that was a huge thing when the Ducks and the Packers were playing in the in Lambeau. It's always it's always a little bit overstated, but for Buffalo especially and just those fans, I think that it, it makes a difference. Yeah. More so than the Jags winning their division. Uh, Texans smack around the Titans, 26 to three Stroud looks good. Does not look too shaken up from those two weeks off with a concussion. They need to win next week to lock up their spot. And I, I believe they're playing the Colts. So it's one, I picked it as uh, one of the games this week that we're going to, that we're going to choose later. So I guess spoiling it a bit, but Texans Colts, for the postseason, who do you have? I oh man, I really have liked how the Texans have looked, but I, I think everyone has the, better feelings about the Texans. I've watched some of the Colts game, like I watched part of the Colts Raiders game, and you know it. I didn't. St- I saw things that weren't good, but I didn't see things that were bad. It's a it's sense. a well balanced team where they don't. Uh, Despite Minshew being their quarterback, they don't make a lot of catastrophic mistakes, which if the se- again, season ending today, whatever, it's actually about to. So that that phrase, it feels less overused. I think that Steichen and Shane Steichen ends up being coach of the year um, after losing Richardson. And it's like, oh, this is a lost year, yada, yada. And Minshew coming back and like revitalizing the backup QB and kind of justifying having a good one on your roster in a year where you don't know how many of them of 20 terrible quarterbacks have played. They are, um, they're in many ways just run contrary to everything that's happened this year because despite injuries like them having to have Zach Moss be the starter for weeks on end and having a new coach and losing your star rookie, they have managed to pull through and like, honestly life on the line, I'd probably take the Colts. Just because with with then honestly, it's weird to say that in a shootout that I would take the Colts more just because 
they're healthier. But again, I like we talked about this before. A lot of the time at the end of the season, the, the best te- the best team. team is the healthiest team. Yeah, and the Colts, outside of Richardson, have stayed pretty healthy. Colts also beat the Raiders, um, and I think Antonio Pierce deserves to to still be head coach, don't you? I think so. Yeah, I think he's done a lot for just the psyche of this team after a mutiny against McDaniels, and defense has played a lot better. Uh, Jack Jones coming to the Raiders after getting cut from the Patriots. I, I think it's a good situation for him to finally be somewhere that fits his... I'm trying to find a tasteful way to say that, like, with his off-the-field problems, I don't think that he would have lasted in New England. But I think that might just be the case, and hopefully he's on the straight and narrow in Oakland, and he can continue to contribute to that defense in the years going forward because their secondary's been so goddamn bad. Uh, Staying in the AFC South, Jags 26, Panthers 0. Not much to say, gross, but... uh, Panthers secure, and so the Bears secure the number one pick in the draft. And I guess I'll just get to it now because all this does is set up the Jags to likely win the division next week if they win out. And then, again, there's another – that's another team where, technically speaking, like the Bills, they could miss the postseason entirely if things do not break their way. But, again, just take care of business in your end. So, the Bears beat the Falcons by 20. Mm-hmm. And I've now, I've now landed, I've, I kind of have to, I kind of have, it's not eat crow. It's just I kind of have to accept the fact that Fields is going to stay. Yeah. Because, I, again, you can't argue record so much with this team because... They're, they're tied with the Packers. They were expected to not be very good, and it was supposed to be a year of growth. It's just it did not happen in the order you would prefer, where the first half of the season is terrible, and the, the second, second half, half... There's actual growth. There's actual growth because we went through the full media cycle early in the year of Fields being terrible and Fields getting hurt, and then he had his four touchdown game against the Broncos, but they still lost. And then it was fire Eberflus, move on from fields, so on and so forth. Defense has grown exponentially in a way that because Eberflus was brought on for his defensive mindedness, I think you can justify keeping him. I think that the growth of young players outside of Vilas Jones, who's not a young player, but I just wanted to shout him out because he had one reception for two yards. Great use of a third-round pick. Um, you've seen growth from players in meaningful ways, and guys like Roshan Johnson have looked good. Khalil Herbert has been very efficient, albeit a little banged up in the absence of David Montgomery. The running green has been good pretty much all year, even when they were bad. And Montez Sweat has appeared to be a real even though I don't think that he is a super impactful pass rusher, he has been a great edge setter on the run and adds to everything that this defense does well. They still need to get more pressure on the QB, but one thing at a time. Tyreek Stevenson, he looks good. Their rookie cornerback, too, who's been playing a lot. 
Jalen Johnson, they should re-sign him. Yada, yada. I think Poles is fine. Fields was 20 for 32, 268 and a touchdown. He also added 45 and a touchdown on the ground. I am going to stand by my opinion. I'm going to die on the hill that financially having a rookie QB who is good is the most valuable asset you can have in the NFL. And I think that because of how good the QBs coming in, the top two especially, and you don't get a chance to draft number one when you make real growth in a season, that's kind of the whole point. So you're in an incredibly lucky situation. I still think that it might be more prescient to take that quarterback to reset the rookie QB clock, and then this team hits its stride with a cheap young quarterback. And then you still have your other first-round pick to give him someone to throw to alongside Moore and Mooney and Komet, who is quite good, even if they're not Marvin Harrison. And again, like we've talked about, if people hit 90% of their potential and someone else hits 100, a lot of these players end up being a lot closer than we think prior to the draft. I think that contractually and with where this team is, I think it still makes sense to take someone and then move on from fields because he has shown real growth, but each of the last two seasons, he has had a significant injury that has caused him to miss several games. Each of the last two seasons, there's been a point in the season where people are super down, particularly at the beginning, where people get really down on his accuracy. And he still has these bad 10-foot-over-their-head overthrows. I understand why he's going to stay. I, I sincerely think that's what's going to happen now. But I also stand by that it would be superior team building to at least consider the idea that getting a younger, cheaper, and in the long run, possibly quite a bit better quarterback might be smart. I mean, just look at Purdy in that organization. Like Purdy's an exception. I mean, I don't like using extreme outliers as examples for what you should do. Like you can't bank on your seventh round or being. No, I'm not saying that, but just like in the aspect of you have a rookie quarterback who you're paying next to nothing while there's guys in college with NIL deals that are four or five, six times more than him. So it's just the idea that's a that, suck for him. Oh my god, yeah. I heard a take that I mean, he I, should I, just retire and go back to college. I that's funny. I think that I'm sure through branding he's making a lot more. Probably. But it's still pretty hilarious that I'm sure Michael Penix is making more off of his playoff run than Purdy will. Yeah. I mean, it's just the thing where it's like you have a young guy like managing the helm and then you get trade fields for maybe one or two weapons and some more picks in the future, maybe a new offensive lineman just to get him more safety. Just to, like, just to fill it out on, on the interior offensive line. Yeah, just just to really set your guys up for the future, I think that's not a bad play. But I do agree with you in the fact that they're probably going to keep fields, which... I think he's done enough, and and for the sake of fairness, I actually agree with that because I feel like the quarterback should be allowed to play himself into the job. That was the whole point of the season. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I think it's unfair, and it's not like I think it's categorically stupid. I just think it's 
short-sighted and it's also because I believe in Caleb Williams and Drake May and I still have my issues with field accuracy. I also just I think that people's criticisms of Lamar's running are what I have for when he was coming out is what I have for fields now where it was like, oh, he's going to run so much and he's going to get hurt. But Lamar never takes a big shot because he just understands angles. He knows how he's so goddamn slippery. Yeah, Whereas Fields, I feel, yeah, I feel like Fields gets like nuclear bombed like twice a game yeah, just because of how he runs. Yeah. And that is part of how you run. And it's like, oh, you can coach that out. He's been in the league for three years. I think that risk management in the long run, Williams, May, they're not guaranteed to be better. And I know if Fields is on the Falcons or the Raiders or the Steelers, and if he leads them to the playoffs, that's going to suck. But I think that it might be better in the long run. That's all I'm saying. I've talked enough about them. Uh, the Eagles blew it to the Cardinals. Oof, this was funny. I loved uh, Kyler just walking out in a Crosby jersey just to really stick it to the fans. It's so good. He's going to, um, yeah, that is pretty funny. He's gonna he's gonna be on the Cardinals next year too. Oh yeah, those I mean, are that's two teams that coming into the year probably, especially with Kyler coming off the ACL and the Cardinals being so bad at the beginning of the year, where Fields and Murray, you might not have expected them to be their team starters in twenty twenty four, but that's kind. Of, I think that's what we're looking at now. They yeah. seem like a prime Marvin Harrison team for me, where it put Marvin Harrison on this team. Uh, they drafted Michael Wilson this year, who's been solid. They still have Hollywood Brown, and that's a pretty good receiving core, and that is kind of the exact type of dudes that you want around Kyler, people who can space on the boundaries and don't force him to work over the middle of the field a lot. Although he's better than a lot of the short guys doing that. I think that they are a prime candidate next year, to, especially because I like Gannon, at least how he's coached, not how he speaks. Um, they, they seem like a prime like riser next year. And credit to them. Eagles, on the other hand, whoa, buddy. Uh, going back to confidence meters, like zero. That Christmas album really took their focus off the game. It re- it was like that Christmas album is like whenever the, the Giants on the boat photo where yeah. it was OBJ and all of them, and then they lost their playoff game. Whew. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's not funny. It's kind of sad watching it. And, and I'll talk about the Chiefs here in a second, too. But every Kelsey podcast now is kind of just them contemplating the meaning of life as they lament how shitty their teams have been relative to years past. Mm-hmm. Granted, they're both going to make the playoffs and they both have double digit wins. So, like, champagne chill problems. Out. Yeah. I'm not saying chill out. Like, I get it. It's just you know, calm down. Uh, I think that play calling has gotten less creative on offense, although it's often been enough. I mean, they still put up 31 in this game, which should always be enough to win. Their defense has fallen off a cliff. Bradbury and Slay look kind of old. Defensive line looks kind of old. I didn't think they had lost enough or aged enough, and they got an outstanding draft pick on the interior line, which makes it even stranger that it's fallen off this hard. But... Is like I, I know I just complimented the Cardinals. They you shouldn't give up thirty five points to a bad team as the team that's supposed to be winning the NFC East. Yeah, and now because of that, they are 
like I know that it's still possible that the Cowboys lose next week, but um, not really. Like they they've pretty much screwed themselves out of home field advantage, and in Philly that matters. It's not like the Cowboys are about to lose to the Commies when when the NFC East is on the line. They are weirdly, despite them again being eleven and five, the most disappointing team in the league to me. Even more than the Chiefs, because at least the Chiefs have their their defense to rely on. They've been relying on them a lot, and then you have Mahomes and Kelsey still, albeit the latter is seeming to age for the first time in his career. I think that having your problems on offense when you have that generational QB it is a better problem to have because at least you can point to the issue where, and you still have Andy Reid, I don't think Eric Bieniemy was that big of a loss. This was kind of inexplicable to me because you you were supposed to run the slate the rest of the way. You're supposed to beat them and then the Giants next week, and then you're walking to the playoffs as the two seed. And I I think that they are going to. I I was a little mad that the Bucks lost to the Saints too. I mean Saints twenty three Bucks thirteen. I was really mad because I had a I would pick the Buccaneers over the over the Eagles in a playoff game, take cooking, which right now that would be the matchup, but I don't have it in me. The Saints probably, uh, the Buccaneers are currently favored by a lot to, to make the postseason. I think they will over the Saints. This was just a poorly timed loss where they could have locked it up this week. They're 8-8. Eight and eight. They're going to go into the postseason likely 9-8. and eight. I'm just telling you right now that I'm going to pick the Bucks over the Eagles. That's fair. I don't know how you feel, but like they're gonna they're gonna go and mollywop the Panthers unless, again, they just the Panthers so- do something like unless they, they did. soil themselves. Well, it's just like the Packer game. Do the Panthers even show up to next week's game? I mean, they showed up against the Packers. I don't know what the hell just, that was that's about. That's because Joe Barry's terrible. Yeah, I still is. I still think that's the funniest and most apt uh, take that I've heard someone give is that if. Everyone else knows your coordinator's name, that it's a really bad thing. A really bad thing, which is a great take. Yeah, uh, unless it's, uh, was it like Joe Anarumu because he's really good on the Bengals, or there are great coordinators. The enemy because you kept trying to get hired in the offseason and no one would. Uh, ben Johnson because he's going the Lions. But especially it feels like defensive coordinators, if they know who you are, it's either because you're really good or you are Joe Barry. And I uh, I do not – that's one of the things where I, I bask in Packers fans' misery, but, like, I feel bad because I, I know bad coordinators. Shout out Luke Getze. The Niners smack around the commies. There's nothing to say here if the Niners covered, and they're going to get the number one seed. Uh, right now, the commanders, are, I believe, are – third in the draft order let me fact check that but they have kind of lucked their way because of the patriots incompetence into potentially having mayor williams fall into their lap and a chance at getting a really good quarterback would really help that team. they're gonna ruin yeah right now they're the number two seed and Ooh. i i ask because it's locked up now Right now we have Washington 4-12, New England 4-12, Arizona 4-12, and, and it would be, I believe, in that order if the season ended today. So if you're the Bears, because again, I think this is what they're going to do. I don't agree with it, but 
this seems like what's going to happen now. If what do you have to give up? Because you could just go to those three teams and it's like, listen, whoever gives us the best offer gets to take whoever they want. And if your team's three or four, i.e. New England or Arizona, it could shuffle next week. Not even Arizona. Someone could trade up there too. I think it's going to be a really interesting bidding war between Washington and New England to lock down that spot to be able to take whatever quarterback they need. But if you're the team in the number three slot, you also have to compete against what? Who else could try? I mean, like Atlanta, Vegas. Potentially even like... Minnesota. Minnesota, I was going to say. Yeah. It was a huge one. Um, voice crack. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think, could. Tens. They could trade up, honestly. All those teams could trade up, and I'm just wondering if like someone a la... I don't want to say Tampa, but someone like Denver comes off the top rope and they don't have a lot of picks left, but just gives everything else they have to, to lock down one of those spots and screw the Patriots or the, or the commanders even further than they were before. I'm going to be fascinated. And I, I know the bears are going to get a lot of draft capital and I'm going to talk myself into it and I'm talking myself into fields, but deep inside I am empty and trying not to, uh, be living too much fear of what the next three years will look like. Fields is going to be Cutler, point two. Um, Steelers beat the Seahawks to technically still give themselves a chance at making it. I don't think they will. The Seahawks really screw themselves where if they had just won these last two games, they were probably going to be in. Seahawks, is that another sneaky team to trade up for a QB? I was gonna honestly say that just because they do look really good as a whole but they just need a quarterback really bad i'll tell you right i can see it so perfectly just like the steelers took Pickett, the the seahawks taking Penix. imagine u-dub winning the national championship and then the seahawks take michael Penix in the first round seattle would love it seattle it would be a huge moment just for seattle and just to have that guy moving from that college to that team. It's, middle, it would just be like a homecoming almost. Yeah, middle of the first round, I think that you could very easily get Penix or maneuver to get him if you need to jump up a few spots. I would be so shocked if he goes in. The quarterbacks always go higher, except for the one year where like Malik Willis fell to the third round. The quarterbacks always go higher, so I'm not going to say I can't see Penix. I can't see Knicks going in the middle of the first round above where the Seahawks would be drafting. It's possible, but I'm going to say now, I think that wherever they land, they will probably be able to get them. And that's probably what's going to happen. Steelers. Uh, hopefully the bears actually do trade you fields because otherwise you are hopeless. Um, although 30 points, that was weird. Uh, Chargers nine Broncos 16. Uh, neither of these teams matter and they both know it. Uh, do you, I kind of feel bad for Russ feel bad for both those quarterbacks, man. I feel worse for Herbert because he's just trapped in this miserable organization. <laughs> and, and he has Quinton Johnson as receiver. He's Quinton Johnson's receiver. He gets to watch on the bench as Easton's stick just continues to pad the L column. Yeah. Which will at least put the... Again, it's a good wide receiver draft. There's it is some, a good draft for wide receivers again. How are the Chargers 5-11? and 11? You have Justin Herbert and you, you have, have five and stick, a I believe, playing the you last have, four games. Even better, you have Easton's stick. Like... 
it's just a tough one. Man. Their strength of schedule was was high. It was, I believe, top six or seven in the league, and that changes things a bit. And I know that you had a terrible coach, but it's 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 just like evil witch doctor magic to be this bad, despite having a quarterback that I still stand by is top three in the NFL. Like he's just below Mahomes and Allen in my mind, and you are five and eleven. I get it. He's hurt. But, like, this is an organization that needs to be bleached from the inside out. And, I mean, uh, Dean Spanos can get shot into the sun, too. But, like, God, they they need to take advantage of the great wide receivers in this class. Take a fast one, dear God, and then spend every one of the rest of their picks on linemen. Linemen on both sides. Uh, the Bengals lose to the Chiefs and knock themselves out of playoff contention. We already talked this a little bit. Again, it just... Without Joe. It it looks like the Chiefs on offense, they benefit so much from their defense being way better. The Chiefs on offense, it's like the like when you go into a math test or it's like the kid who who knows how to, to do like the work in the margins, but can't do it in his head. So like everything is written out on the side of the paper. It's just painful to watch sometimes where they, it feels like a miracle when they get big plays. Rice had over a hundred yards in this game. He kind of feels like their only reliable explosive threat. Well, I mean like Scantling and Hardman and Tony are all like good athletes and that's it. It's, it's kind of like watching a young NBA team where they just run up and down the court and try and take advantage of their athleticism. So the Pistons. So the Pistons, despite <laughs> not having a, uh, not having like tactile skill. Rice is good, but he's a rookie. Kelsey, they're not even. He's not getting as much attention as he used to, just because that he hasn't looked as good this year. So that automatically you would you would think it's like, oh, we have Kelsey. At least the other receivers will benefit from the fact that he needs to get more attention. He's not even getting that anymore. That makes a huge difference, and it just slows things down more. It's bad how much they need Pacheco. He's good, but it's bad how much he needs it. Do you want to talk about Al Michaels real quick? I'll leave that to you. Oh, again. boy. Um, yeah, this, this happened right before Christmas. But uh, apparently he was just – he said something along the lines of you can't make a sideshow out of a fan talking about you know the Chiefs and the NFL and Taylor Swift. Which apparently got him in a little bit of hot water with uh, the Swifties, with Swifties, but also just the media. He was uh, quote unquote benched last week. He wasn't on air. So, do you think that he did that just because he's like, I, I'm, I'm tired, I'm, I'm of, this tired shit. of being on these shitty Amazon games? <laughs> you know, part of me could say that's a really good take by him to do that. He's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to just take the rest of the season it's, off. It's like the, I, I've, I've only got 14 games in me these days. It's like the uh, Pat McAfee show where it's like, let the naysayers know. Oh my God. <laughs> that clip is amazing. It's just that same energy of just like, well, I'm going to do something to, to just do it. No matter what happens. I, uh, it comes off as just, this just in old man yells at clouds, <laughs> but whatever. It's good for the NFL. 
it, yeah, and, and if that's you're getting, that's why he got benched. I mean, because they're like, dude, shut up. Because it, it's good, and yeah, it's it's good attention. When uh, my girlfriend talks about the NFL and she doesn't care, it 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 says something. I think I think that it is very much stupid and reductive to call uh, Taylor Swift Yoko Ono because, <laughs> like, it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't make sense. I, the funny the funniest um, like takes and means that I have seen that I actually agree with where it's like uh, NFL fans are are mad at Taylor Swift for ruining the Chiefs, but Taylor Swift fans are like, you know, the the Chiefs could really benefit from a better wide receiver too in the draft. <laughs> like, correct. Uh, the Packers laid the smackdown on the Vikings. Ugh, this, I didn't even watch the game. I saw the You score. didn't need to. Didn't, uh, yeah. Love love is good enough. I He's think, good enough if he just doesn't I, I think Psych himself out. They need to fire Joe Barry. And, oh yeah. Um, frankly, the receivers just need to get older. Jaden Reed looked good. I the, the, I'm really happy with this receiving core. Like that was a huge issue with Rodgers. Like he only had Devontae Adams and like one or two other guys every year. It feels more balanced. It definitely feels more balanced. I like Musgrave it, too when he's healthy. Yeah, all of them when they're healthy and like they just really work the field really well to where Jordan Love just needs to buy himself enough time and get off a good throw. Right. I I think that he I know I sound like a hypocrite because this also describes fields. He has improved throughout the season and earned a a spot next year. Um especially because they I mean they're not going to get a better option so it's not really worth thinking about I think yeah. he, he's done enough to justify another year at the helm and if he gets even better I mean he sneaks up in the top half of the league pretty quickly especially with how many shitty quarterbacks we've seen this year mm-hmm. uh, we're going to take a quick break come back with some of the playoff matchups we're most excited for talk a little college ball and then get out of here all right we'll be right back And we're back. So I wanted to run through because after next week, we'll obviously be in the NFL playoffs. Just thinking through some of the potential playoff matchups that we're most excited for. There's a couple things that are on the the borderline where it is not a guarantee that a team is going to make the playoffs. So it's kind of hard to say. But to that effect, uh, one of them being Packers-Lions, just, you know, Rivalry, the Lions eliminated the Packers from the playoffs last year. There's always interdivisional bad blood. That would just be fun to see. Uh, Chiefs-Bills, a lot of history there, too. The 13 seconds game, so on and so forth. I mean, you could say Colts-Jags. I mean, yada, yada. There's smaller things like that, but I'm thinking more of like larger storylines versus just good matchups. Uh, as far as larger storylines, I think I mentioned it earlier, but uh, one of them was Rams-Lions just because Stafford left, Stafford won a Super Bowl, Stafford won his side of the deal, and the Lions, for the most part, did too. I mean, they were able to draft a couple of good players since then that have filled out their their team. Amon Ross St. Brown broke out. Goff has been 
a franchise quarterback for them. And it's one of those rare quarterback trades that both sides didn't lose. Because it feels like with any time that a QB gets traded in the NFL, it is demonstrably worse for the team giving it up. Because giving up the QB is always the worst possible end of the deal because you are losing a franchise quarterback or losing them in a free agency. Same kind of deal. The Pats draft a QB after losing Brady. It didn't get better. The Packers traded Rodgers to the Jets, and although Love has shown promise and they had him as a backup plan from years prior, he's still he's not Aaron Rodgers. So to that effect, it's one of those uh, homecomings where I don't think the I think Lions fans still like Stafford now. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like he's gonna get still a warm applause, but if he comes into their building, because I'm sure it would be on the road, if he comes into their building and beats them to really like dig the thumb into the wound of the fact that this is their first playoff berth in years and their first time winning the division in thirty years. Something that he never did for them, but he's still able to come back and and finish them off is is a uh, is a potential like misery enhancer for Detroit that gives me joy. Um, to the same effect, Niners Rams, where this is not like so much a divisional matchup. There's just the McVay and Shanahan coaching matchup that two guys that I think McVay coming into this year with how bad the Rams were projected to be with. Uh, with Stafford getting banged up and Puka just being a rookie fifth rounder, Kyron Williams being a more or less nobody outside of people in the know. Cause I mean, he got hurt last year, which was his rookie year. This would be the matchup of, I mean, you can disagree, but I think the two best coaches in the league, the two best offensive minds in the league and uh, two teams that have on the Rams side outperformed expectations because we think they're bad, and on the 49ers side, have a chance to uh, break the team record for points scored in the season. Granted, extra game, but this is like offense on the level of some of the Montana Rice teams, just in terms of pure output. Not to compare Brock Purdy to Joe Montana, I'm not, but the weapons there are incredible. Shanahan and how he utilizes McCaffrey against a Rams defense that has been improving rapidly but still is vulnerable against things like play action. I believe they're still dead last in the league on passing plays against play action. It's a young team. They get fooled more easily, but they do get to the ball quicker when they're not. I think that coming out, if the Rams were able to pull off an upset against the best team in the league, I think that cements McVay not only as like a coaching prodigy, but he quickly jumps up to like, he's going to be around for, unless he goes and wants to talk in the booth sometime in the next 10 years, he, he catapults himself up to like the best coaching minds that we've ever seen. And just the fact that that is on the table, I think makes this like, I know it's exciting because we want to see these two guys match up, but it also has stakes on the line because it, will potentially put McVeigh into a, a strata that we haven't seen him in before. At least hasn't been talked about it, I don't think. Additionally, uh, 
Number three, I have the Browns and the Ravens. Um, for a lot of the same reason as the Rams and the Lions, because Flacco revenge game. Um, sending him back into Baltimore years later. How many years has it been since he played on the Ravens? Do you think? Seven. Seven or eight. That's what comes to mind. If he comes into Baltimore, because it would be in Baltimore, and the Browns' defense is able to slow down the Ravens' offense long enough for Flacco to put up like 275 and two touchdowns and pull off an upset against the best Ravens team that Lamar's ever had coming off of what I'm sure will be his second MVP season. We didn't mention that. He left the Ravens in 2018. So five. Still a while. And then it was on the Broncos for those five years. That's true because that was the year before Lamar took over. But Which makes sense. Flat the the sensei returning home to humble the student then as he comes back to Baltimore. And if imagine imagine the the hate and just the vitriol Lamar is gonna get if the Ravens somehow lost to the Browns. Who the Ravens already hate. The Browns franchise has to, but also to lose to Flacco. Pretty bad look. I I would never pick it, and I think if you made me choose a line today, it would be like six or seven points just because I think that the Ravens' defense is close to the Browns, and then I can't trust 39-year-old Joe Flacco to win a playoff game despite him having done it before. It is one of the most improbable string of games from a quarterback we've ever seen. So again, like most things, I am not inclined to bet on history being made, but it would be hilarious. Cowboys Eagles. Does does this game put one of these coaches on the hot seat? With how up and down they've been, the Cowboys struggling against teams over 500 and on the road. The Eagles falling apart. Their defense just being absolutely terrible. Do you think that coming off of this loss next year will be a prove-it year for either of these coaches? For, I know- for Mike McCarthy especially, it's like, I don't know, I have a disdain for him, especially being the yeah. Packers head coach for so goddamn long. But, you know, what he's done for Dallas is can't be argued to be bad. He definitely helped revive that team a little bit, but... I can't say that he's going to be placed right on the hot seat. He's definitely going to be put like... I think McCarthy is more susceptible to it. I think he's more susceptible to it, but I also feel like if he has the blessing of the owner, then... Then he's fine. Then he's fine. A lot like Jason Garrett was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not going to go behind his back to do a decision that he doesn't approve. Like, Of course not. But for the Eagles, on the other hand, it's a little bit different. Like... They've had years of success, and this is their first year where it's like, oh, is this coming to an end? But I don't know. Maybe a new head coach for the Eagles kind of revives, brings some new life into that team. I don't think Sirianni is gonna get not is gonna get removed after one questionable year. I just think that it's a bad look when you lose both your coordinators and everything falls apart because that that raises questions about what you're doing. Like, what are you bringing to the table if you lose your head assistants and then the things that they were in charge of, obviously offense and defense, just go down the shitter? Like, 
it, I think that would be the narrative coming out of this year. And if things remain a lot of the same, hell, they might get worse because these guys are only getting older. Kelsey might retire. I think there's a real chance that end of next season should... I think if they win a playoff game, especially if it was against the Cowboys and kind of make up for some of the struggles this year, I think that Sirianni would be fine and that talk is never going to come up. But if they lose and they lose badly to someone like the Cowboys, it will it'll be a tough next year for them. And if they get any worse, then I think that especially Philly fans are going to call for his heads. And then the one that I was most excited about, I, I don't think I'm alone in this, but, I mean, correct me, I said Ravens-Bills just because with how strong the Bills have come on. And, I mean, we had the conversation when they were 6-6 six and six of, like, they might be one of the best teams in the league, but they might miss the playoffs. Now they've gotten themselves out of that hole and are currently the 60 with a chance to be the 2. Imagine if they beat the Dolphins next week with – and with the Dolphins' defense suffering even more injuries and the chance that Mostert and Waddle are still banged up, I would honestly probably pick the Bills next week. I think that a Ravens-Bills AFC championship would be fascinating. Because it would be a very entertaining game. It would be a very entertaining game, but like, think about the quarterbacks specifically. That's what I'm saying. Like I, It's definitely a prove-it game for both of those guys in their career. It would, both, it would be both of their first Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a huge prove-it game. If that if it does come down to that, I think it would be one of the few games that I would probably stop what I'm doing and actually turn it on and really watch like, it. Like, no matter it. what. Like, yeah. no matter what, yeah. So I think that would be a fun game just to kind of see where it laments the legacy of these two quarterbacks. But other than that, I think the best team there is probably going to be the more healthier team, which I feel we, like which we talk about. All yeah. The time. We, we talk about that all the time. And I feel like the Ravens have been a little bit more healthy than the bills. Like I don't feel like they've had as many injuries that they have. They've had less catastrophic injuries. I, that's another reason why I've been so enamored by the bills is that they continue to impress and put, have really good peripheral stats despite losing some of their best players. The last two weeks were weird because I think what they have a total of an eight-point margin between beating the Easton Stick Chargers and the Bailey Zappi Patriots. So I, I walk back a little bit and say that I think the Ravens are easily far and away the best team in the AFC. I just also think that if the Bills hadn't lost Trey White and Matt Milano and they had won like two more games, I think that the MVP odds would be pretty close between Allen and Jackson. And I think that is kind of the point, that this season has gone way worse for the Bills and yet they're still putting themselves in a position to win. And this season has gone great for the Ravens, but if they meet... I think whoever wins is going to be the quarterback apple of the eye going into everyone's next year. I know Lamar's going to win MVP and he deserves it, but I think that uh, Allen will like, I don't, 
there's some stuff about his turnovers and people questioning him. He's still amazing, and I think that people will like at, lay at the altar of of Allen if they if they were able to march through the playoffs and beat the Ravens specifically. I didn't mention the Chiefs in any of them. I I sincerely think that they, unless they play the Jaguars, I think that they're going to be a first round playoff exit, and I think that will force their hand in terms of getting talent around Mahomes with that he needs. But I, unless it is the Jaguars or maybe the Colts, I would not pick them against anyone. I just don't trust them at this point. Bets of the week. So it was. It's been a while. I did tally up. Uh, there were a couple ones. It was back when the the Raiders destroyed the Chargers. That was the only one that I got right. So we're closer to even, but I have a few here today, and then we'll talk about the last one more. But big games with uh with actual playoff implications on the lines. The first one is the Texans are giving one and a half going into Indianapolis against the Colts. Raven, who do you got? I'm going the Colts. Fair enough. I, again, it, it comes down to like health always, but Stroud versus Minshew, this is a playoff game, essentially. So what, whoever wins this game is in. I understand the Texans are hurt, but I think that it's weird that it's only one and a half, despite the Texans still missing their best receiver. So I am comfortable that I like the points or whatever, because I don't think it's going to be a one point margin because that's actually, that's been fairly common this year. I feel like where you've had these one and two point gains in the NFL when that's not normal, but fair enough. I, the Colts have proven it all year. And I think me talking myself against them is kind of ignoring what this year has taught us about Steichen and what that roster is made of Uh, bears plus three at the Packers. If the Packers win, they're in the playoffs. The Bears are eliminated. They have nothing to play for. But I think the uh, analogy to last year's Lions, where started poorly, finished really strong, have two first-round picks this year, and have a chance to knock the Packers out of the playoffs in the final game of the season. Both of these teams have been trending upwards through the second half. Both their quarterbacks have been playing better. Bears at Packers. Who do you have? It's in Lambeau, so I'm going to have to go with the Pack. I think you're ultimately going to be right. Um, I'm just kind of banking on a Joe Barry masterclass, and then or Jordan Love just leaning one degree on his back foot and sending an airmail over the receiver in the touchdown. Don't worry, Fields does that too. Yeah, um, there'll be plenty of that. There'll be so many overthrows in this game. Um, but I mean, I don't feel confident in taking them. I would also take the Packers given the choice, but. Especially, I, I don't know. I don't think that this ultimately changes anything about the Bears' future losing this game. I'm just curious because they started this season getting the smackdown laid on them by the Packers, and I think that this game being a lot tighter would be just the perfect microcosm of how we have to wait till the end of the season to make our final judgments, but we will see. Dolphins hosting the Bills for the AFC East. The Bills are favored by three in Miami. Who do you have? I want to pick Miami, but... Just do it. With what happened last week, I just am so unsure. But I'm going to go for it. I'm going to pick Miami. I would... I would... I'm happy to be on the Bills <laughs> side of that. But 
here's the thing that like some of the Dolphins inconsistency is kind of baked into the risk of how they build the roster where these fast guys, I mean, most are especially are always going to deal with injury issues. This was going back to, to tank Dell. I thinking about it when you're drafting these guys, a lot of these little guys, these explosive athletes who are really good receivers, but just the injury risk is scary. They get underdrafted because it's like, oh, I don't want a receiver who's going to miss a bunch of games. But it's a trade-off of you get this amazing receiver, but you're only going to get him for 12 games. And it's just baked into the price. If you want the players that are on the Dolphins, the way that they're built, they are fast and they are predicated on speed. If they're hampered, that hurts your offense a lot. And if they're out, which they're more likely to be, it hurts your offense a lot. A-chain, Mostert, Waddle. Even Tyreek has been banged up within games this season. So this is the risk you run, and you just want to be healthy at the right time. And I think if everyone is in this game, take the defense out of it. I know the Dolphins' defense is not going to perform well without Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. I think that it is very possible, especially in Miami, for this to be a 35-32 Dolphins win. But I think that if you are picking logically, you have to take the healthier team with the better quarterback. So that's just where I stand. And then finally, Michigan beats Alabama. Washington beats Texas. And the national championship is set. Washington is technically at Michigan, whatever. Michigan is favored by four and a half over Washington. Screw the blue, baby. (laughs) Go Washington. Go blue. Um, those are great games. That's gonna be an, that's gonna be a good one. I'm excited. It's not Alabama versus Texas I'm, or Alabama versus Georgia again. But I still have my huge questions about Penix and the NFL. But he's he's so cool. We'll that see. Washington team is so cool. We'll see what happens in the future, and depending on how this game goes, does Penix have an NFL job lined up? I think he's going to be uh, – I, I think that it's dumb that it will, and I think that it just ignores what NFL quarterback development is to say this game will help his draft stock significantly. But it kind of will because that's what happened with Stroud against Georgia last year where he hadn't shown X, Y, and Z as far as mobility and just being creative out of structure. And then during the entire draft cycle, it was, yeah, but the Georgia game. And I think that if Penix can beat Michigan, the most dominant team this year, I I think that it might boost his stock more than one game will boost just about anyone's this year in the same way that, that happened to Stroud. Uh, I also might do it for Roma Dunze, who I am slowly starting to think is the wide receiver too, but that's for me to think about on my own time. I... I want to take Washington screw the blue, but I will um, I will graciously give that to you. It's going to be really fun. I think that it's unstoppable force and immovable object. Washington's offense has been better than their defense all year, and they held up against Texas to finish out the game, so credit to them. They always seem to do just enough. I, I am fascinated because this might end up just being like a Georgia TCU thing where Washington got this far 
just to get blown out, but just to get destroyed by the team that's like, oh yeah, they're amazing. But I am cautiously optimistic that it's going to be a very good game because I believe in Penix and the rest of that team. But otherwise, I oh one more thing, shout out um the Knicks, uh trading for OG Ananobi and their uh championship odds went from seventy to one to seventy to one. <laughs> anyway, uh thank everyone for listening. Uh, appreciate you tuning into the Alethio Network. Make sure to listen to everything else on the network. Thank you, Raven, very much for joining me. And have a great day. Have a good day, everyone.